morning, church. Good morning and welcome to Riverside. So glad all of you are here today. So good to see all of you. And for those of you who are joining us for Church Online, thank you for joining us. We're so happy to have you with us as well. Today, we, we're not starting a new series. Today, we're going to resume a series uh, that we started last November on the Lord's Prayer. And I'm really excited to kind of get back into this teaching. You know, there was, a, there was a moment in the life and ministry of Jesus when one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. And then Jesus taught them this prayer that, that you may know as the Our Father or as the Lord's Prayer. But it's this, this prayer that he gave his disciples so that they could learn from him how to pray. And I think it's just, it's really, it's really interesting and it's really fun. It's really meaningful, I think, to lean into this prayer that Jesus gave us to think about how do we as modern day disciples approach our Father in prayer. One of the things I want us to do as we begin each week in this series through the month of February is to pray these words together like we've done in the past. So if you would, church, let's go ahead and stand together. And if you would, let's pray these words aloud, the the words of the Lord's Prayer. If you would, let's pray. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Amen. Be seated. Uh, You may notice as you pray this prayer, there's both a vertical aspect to the spiritual life, but also there's this horizontal aspect to the spiritual life. As Jesus taught his disciples to pray these words, a lot of people have noticed that the first half of this prayer sort of speaks to this vertical aspect of our relationship to God. It starts out, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy, may your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is that vertical relationship, right? Talking to God and asking for his will to be done, his kingdom to come. But then the second half of the prayer, it sort of leans into this horizontal aspect of our relationships with each other, right? He teaches them to pray, give us today the food that we need. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. It's as if Jesus wanted his disciples to understand, first, this is how you you approach our Father in prayer. And then secondly, this is how you stay in right relationship with each other. Uh, Over the next few weeks, as we kind of get back into the series in the Lord's Prayer, what I want us to do is to lean into the second half of this prayer and to think about what it means for us to live in these right relationships with each other, what Jesus was teaching his disciples when he taught them this this prayer. One of the things that we want to do each week, and we'll do this in different ways, is we want to spend this time practicing praying for each other. So I want to ask uh, some of our guys in the back to go ahead and make their way down. They have baskets, and in these baskets, they're going to have slips of paper. And I want to ask everyone to grab a slip of paper out of the basket. And they may have pens as well if you need one. If they don't, just grab one from a friend. Uh, this, this slip of paper has uh, just a couple things on it, so I'll tell you real quickly what to do. Uh, the very first place, there's a place for your name. And this is the thing I want to ask everyone to do, is to write your name on this slip of paper, okay? The reason why is, at the end of our time together, in a moment we'll collect these, but at the end of our time together, uh, we're going to pass the baskets around again, and I want everyone to draw a slip, uh, one that doesn't have your name on it, right? Because I want us this week, I want everybody to be praying for somebody 
that's in this church. It's real simple. If you want to, these are optional. If you want to, you can put your phone number on here, and that just gives the person who's praying for you this week a, a way to contact you, to encourage you, to say, hey, I'm praying for you this week. Just a way of encouragement. That's optional. You don't have to do that, but if you want to do that, you can. There's also a place for you to put a prayer request. And so if there's something going on, uh, keep it short for, for the sake of this, but if you want them to be praying for your family, for your marriage, for your kids, uh, if you've got a job opportunity, you want to pray for your work, if you've got, if there's someone who's sick, say pray for, for so-and-so, they, they need healing, that's totally fine, that's appropriate, just write that down in that space provided. Again, that's optional. The main thing here is at the end of our time together today, I want everyone to walk out of here with someone's name and someone that can be praying for. And this week, what I want to ask you to do is just simply practice praying uh, for each other and to pray for one another. Uh, once you get that done, these guys are coming back around just to collect those and so make sure that, uh, that you get that back to one of these baskets, one of these guys that are walking around the room and they'll collect those. And at the end, we'll, we'll pass these around. The reason I want us to do this is because I think Jesus knew something that he wanted us to understand, that when it comes to praying, when it comes to how we approach God in prayer, it is imperative. It is of paramount importance that we find a way to stay in right relationship with one another. And Jesus knew that our enemy, our adversary, Satan himself, would, would use every tool in his toolbox. He would wield every weapon at his disposal to find a way to create division and separation and hurt and resentment between us. Uh, in her book on prayer called Fervent, Priscilla Shire, uh, I love what she said. She said it this way. She said, if I were your enemy, if I were your enemy, I would use every opportunity to bring old wounds to mind, as well as the people, events, and circumstances that caused them. I'd try to ensure that your heart was hardened with anger and bitterness, shackled through un." forgiveness. I remember when I was a young minister just starting out at my very first church. So I was working at a, at a different church in a different city. This didn't happen here, by the way. Um, something had happened between me and an older minister on staff. I know a lot of you probably think uh, working at a church, it's all sunshine and roses, but sometimes things don't go according to plan. We're really blessed, by the way, at Riverside to have a tremendous staff and eldership, and it's just a beautiful thing. But when I first started in ministry, I say something happened. Really, it was a series of events that, that occurred. And I was walking around with a lot of hurt. And it was one of those things that it just started building up over time. And, and I thought at some point, in fact, I even expected at some point this older minister, because he was older than I was, right? I, I thought he's, he's more mature in the faith. He's older than I am. Uh, he's going to at some point come to me and talk to me. We'll talk things out. We'll work things out. And everything will, will be okay. We'll, we'll have a moment where we kind of get over this stuff that we're kind of working through right now. But day after day went by, week after week went by, and nothing happened. And I was getting, not only was I hurt, now I was getting frustrated, and now I was getting angry. And it kept growing and growing, and I kept getting more and more upset. I, I just kept thinking, why won't he come and talk to me and make things right? Do I have to be the bigger person here? And I was really annoyed and frustrated by that. Why should I have to be the bigger person here? I mean, I'm brand new on staff. He's much older and wiser. He's been doing this a lot longer than I have. We're both spiritual leaders in our own capacity. Why is there all this unresolved conflict and tension hanging in the balance? And I kept getting so 
upset about it and nothing was changing and nothing was happening. Have you ever been there? You ever experienced this where something has happened? And sometimes, sometimes it's huge. Sometimes it's a big deal. Sometimes it's small. Sometimes it's a series of things. But, but something has happened. You were hurt in some way by someone somehow. And day goes by after day, week after week, month after month, and it continues to grow. It's like a sore. It's like an open wound that goes untreated. It just festers and it gets worse over time. We think we, think we could just forget about it. We think we could just move on. We could just maybe get past it. We'll never forget what they did. And we may not even be able to forgive it. But we just want to create some distance and separation from them, from that person, from that situation. And maybe just maybe it'll get better. But you know the truth. It doesn't. It doesn't. Just like any open wound doesn't get better without some sort of treatment, unspoken, untreated, unresolved conflict, tension, hurt in our lives. It, it doesn't get better with time it just doesn't. And what happens for a lot of us, we get, we get stuck, right? For those of us who, who consider ourselves Christians, followers of Jesus, it makes it really hard to pray when you're holding a grudge. It's really hard to worship when you're holding on to hurt. And some of you have experienced this, you know what I'm talking about, you, you lose sleep. You can't sleep at night. You can't eat. You lose your appetite. For a lot of people, and this is what's interesting, is this isn't just true for Christians, right? This is true for everybody. It's a universal truth because it's the way God made us. In fact, people that don't even believe in Jesus or believe he is who he says he is, they still promote practicing forgiveness as a way of experiencing you know, wellness in your best life because everybody knows that, that in order for you to do that, you really do have to find a way to forgive. Why is it so hard to forgive? The answer to that question is actually pretty easy. The reason it's so hard to forgive is because we do have an adversary. You have an enemy. And we've talked about this over and over again, but it rings true again today. You have an enemy and he is real and he is relentless and he has nothing to lose and everything to gain. The devil, Satan himself, and he is, he is so good at this. He can take the smallest hurt, and he can blow it out of proportion because what he loves to do is to create division and separation and divorce. And he loves to foster contempt and bitterness in your heart. And he can take even the smallest little thing and make it feel like a nuclear bomb went off in your life. And he'll do that. And even though you know he can do this, we still let him do it. We still experience this. Even though we know what he's doing, it's still, he still takes that hurt and he uses it to cause that division in our lives. And it separates us from people. And ultimately what it does is it separates us from God. And by the way, just so you know, that is his game plan. That is what he is after. When I was going through this particular moment in life where this hurt was just growing. And my frustration was growing. And my anger was growing. I also was being convicted. At this time in my life, I had committed to read uh, the Sermon on the Mount every day. This is Matthew 5, 6, and 7. This is the longest like, collective sermon of Jesus we have. And, 
And it's within this sermon that Jesus teaches the disciples this prayer called the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6. And so I was reading and rereading these words that we read just a moment ago every single day where Jesus teaches his disciples to pray and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Now that's, that's pretty convicting when you, when you just pause and think about that, right? Forgive us our sins as we have, so past tense here, this has already happened, as we have forgiven those who have sinned against us. Jesus is assuming here that we've, we've been practicing forgiveness, so it's not, it's not that we're coming to God with all this hurt piled up. No, we've, we've forgiven people and we're asking God to do the same for us. That's pretty convicting in and of itself, but Jesus doesn't stop there. If you, if you finish the Lord's Prayer in the, the verses that follow it immediately, Jesus gives his own little commentary on this particular part of the prayer. If you have your Bibles or your Bible app, I'd love to invite you to open up Matthew 6, 14 and 15. I think this may be the most convicting and challenging teaching Jesus ever gave. He says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. And then comes verse 15. And if you have your Bible, you may want to underline this, highlight this. If you've got the app, screenshot this. You want to, you're going to want to think about this. In verse 15, Jesus says, But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. You ever read that before? Jesus says, If you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like Jesus is saying that the only way you can experience the forgiveness of God in your life is if you first forgive those who have sinned against you. And you may want to just call a quick time out right here, right? Some of you may say, well, you, you don't know what's happened to me. You don't know what he did, what she did. You don't know what he said or she said. You don't know what my father did or what my mother did. You don't know how deeply I've been wounded, how, how much I've been hurt. And you're right, I don't. I don't. And the truth is, I, I chose an example from my own life that, to be honest, is relatively small. Because no matter what example I chose this morning, there are people in the room, many of you, who could trump any story I could tell today because you have been hurt in ways I cannot even begin to imagine. You've experienced things in your life that I would not wish on my worst enemies. You've got pain. You've got conflict. You've experienced things that have altered the course of your life. There are decisions that other people have made that affected you in such profound ways that, quite honestly, I'm not sure I could even fully understand or even comprehend. So how can Jesus possibly say that in order for me to experience the forgiveness of God in my life, I have, I have to forgive others? Part of it is this, this, this feeling, right, that, that if I forgive someone for what they did for me, I'm letting them off the hook. And, and I get that. I understand that feeling. But I want to push back gently against that and, and challenge that a little bit. Because I think when you really lean into what Jesus is teaching us here, I think what happens when we forgive somebody 
is essentially what we're doing is we're putting them into the hands of God. What we sometimes forget to understand, or remember at least, is that it takes incredible faith to forgive. Because when we forgive, what we're doing is we're taking that person, that problem, that conflict, that hurt, and we're, we're stepping out of the role of being God. And when we forgive, we're allowing God to be God. And whenever we do that, what happens, you know this, right? We open the door for now God to pour out his abundant love and grace and mercy over our life. And if he wants to, because he's God, not us anymore, maybe over their life too. But if you're like Jesus' first disciples, you hear this teaching and you probably still have questions. If you fast forward to, to Matthew 18, that's exactly what happens. Peter, one of Jesus' closest friends and followers, one of his first disciples, he hears this teaching that Jesus has done. He's heard it over and over again about what Jesus says about forgiveness. And so he comes to Jesus with a question. He says, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Just go ahead and like, tell me, like, how does this work? Seven times? Is that enough? It's a great question. Jesus says, no, not, not seven times, but 70 times seven. In other words, this is the way I want you to live your life as a disciple. I want you to have unlimited forgiveness. Not just for the people that hurt you once, but for even for those people that hurt you over and over and over and over again. And if you're like Peter, if you're like Jesus' first disciples, guess what? You've still got questions. Some of you right now, you're even like confused about this. This really doesn't make sense. And it doesn't here on earth. So Jesus tells a story in verse 23, and I want you to hear this story, at least the first part of it. He says, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. So the debt he owes the king, it's, it's, it's in the millions. Well, he couldn't pay. So the master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned in order to pay the debt. But the man, he fell down before his master and he begged him, please don't do this. Please be patient with me and I will pay it all back. Then his master was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave his debt. Jesus says, this is what life is like in the kingdom of heaven. But the story goes on. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. So a very small amount in comparison to what he had owed the king. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. The story keeps going, but here's what I want you to see this morning. Jesus wanted his disciples to understand this truth, right? That, that we all want to receive forgiveness but we're not always willing to extend it. We want to experience and receive the forgiveness of God in our life, but, but here's the truth that Jesus understood about us. We're not always wanting to extend it to those who have hurt us. He wanted his disciples to understand, hey, free, forgiveness is freely given to those who freely forgive. Forgiveness is freely given by God to those who freely forgive others. This is how it works in God's economy. 
And you know that Jesus didn't just teach this truth. He didn't just preach this truth. He didn't just tell stories about this truth. But in his very own life, he demonstrated this truth. In his very last moments on the cross, before he drew his last breath, you remember what he said? Literally, dying on the cross. He said, Father, what? Forgive them. Forgive who? Forgive that one that betrayed me. Forgive the one who denied he even knew me. Forgive my disciples who have completely abandoned me. Forgive those soldiers who spit at me, who beat me within an inch of my life, who put a crown of thorns on my head. Forgive the soldiers who drove the nails in my hands and my feet. Forgive the ones who hoisted me up on this cross and dropped it in a hole. Forgive the ones who are down there right now casting lots for my clothes. Forgive those who shouted, crucify, crucify. Forgive them. Jesus didn't just teach this truth. He didn't just preach this. He didn't just tell stories about this. He demonstrated this truth. So what hurt? What hurt are you holding on to today? What grudge is it that you haven't let go of yet? Who is it that when you hear their name, your stomach turns? Who is it you're trying to avoid? Who is it whenever you hear their name, you just roll your eyes? What hurt are you holding on to that maybe, just maybe, it's time to let go of? I still remember the afternoon that I finally got up the courage to walk into that man's office. And it hurt me so deeply. It it really does sound silly now to even talk about it. But at the time, I was scared. I was mad. I was frustrated. I waited till the end of the day because it had to be the last thing I did so I could just then leave, right? And I walked in his office. And I shut the door. And somehow, by the grace of God, we had a conversation. And I shared with him how, at least in my heart, my mind, things had happened and that I wanted to forgive him. And then I asked him to forgive me, too. I share that story only because, like, it still carries a lot of weight in my heart, in my life. I remember it so vividly. But it's also a reminder to me of of this truth that I think Jesus wanted all of us to understand. That as disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, I think his desire for us is to be the most forgiving people on the planet. Jesus understood that, well, for one, if... If, if we're the most forgiving people on the planet, then this is how we're going to be known by the world around us for our love. And Jesus understood that, that as we learn to forgive one another and we practice forgiveness, now we are in a right relationship with those around us so that now we can approach our Father in prayer. He understood that as long as we have this hurt, as long as we're holding on to this unforgiveness in our heart, it's going to be really hard to approach our God in prayer. It's going to be really hard to lift our hands in worship. 
It's going to be really difficult to experience the grace of God in our life if we're not willing to give the grace of God to others. So Jesus taught us, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Why? Because he knew that when we forgive, that's when we are forgiven. When we forgive, that's when we experience the forgiveness of God in our hearts and in our lives. But you know like I know that that is not easy. So that's why this week I want you to pray for somebody. I'm going to ask our guys again to come back around with those baskets and pass them around. And I want to ask you to pull out a, a slip of paper, one that does not have your name on it, but someone else's name. Uh, if you did not put a slip of paper in, then don't take one out. But if you did, then please take a name. And here's what I want to ask you to do this week. I want to ask you to pray for this person. And ask God to give them the courage they need to forgive whoever it is in their life that they need to forgive. Again, this is not natural. Uh, This is supernatural, what we're talking about. The ability to forgive someone is not normal, right? And it can only happen when we have uh, the, the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through our lives to do really what only God can help us do in our life, to forgive that hurt, to let go of the unforgiveness, and to take hold of the grace of God. And in order for that to happen, I think we need to be praying for one another. And so take one of these, and and there's no right or wrong way to do this. I just want to ask you to be praying for whoever it is you're praying for this week. If you have their number, feel free to text them and say, hey, I'm praying for you. I want to encourage you. I want want to share this verse with you. I want you to know I'm in your corner. Uh, Maybe you want to pray for them every morning when you wake up. Maybe it's the last thing you want to do before you go to bed. Maybe you want to set an alarm on your phone, and whenever it goes off every day, it's your reminder, oh, yeah, I'm going to pray for him. I'm going to pray for her. I can see our family at night before we eat dinner together just taking out our names and praying for our names together before we enjoy our meal together. There's no right or wrong way to do this. The idea is let's encourage one another by praying for one another. We need the strength. We need the encouragement of our church family to do really what only God can do in us and through us. And when we step into the spiritual practice of forgiveness, when we have the humility and the faith to come before God and pray for one another, yes, but also lift up that person for whom we need to forgive. What happens? What happens in that simple act? It's not so simple, is it? What happens in that act of obedience is we step into the amazing grace that God has for us. And that's what I want for you. That's what I want for us. We think what happens is when we forgive people, we set them free. But what happens is God sets us free. And I want us to be free. I want us to be free. Church, if you would, let's stand. If I were your enemy, I'd use every opportunity to bring old wounds to mind as well as the people, the events and circumstances that caused them. I'd try to ensure that your heart was hardened with anger and bitterness, shackled through unforgiveness. Man, what Satan wants to do is he wants to make you angry. And he wants you to hold on to every hurt so that you'll be bitter 
and filled with contempt and separated from other people so that ultimately you're separated from God. But what Jesus wants, what he wants is for you to set them free, to forgive so that you can experience the grace and forgiveness of God in your heart and in your life. So I want to close with a word of prayer. And in this prayer, I want to just pray for you and for us as a church. And as I pray, I just want to ask you to be open to the leading of the Holy Spirit in your heart and in your mind. And maybe, maybe he'll bring to mind somebody for you that you, you need to forgive. And maybe you even think, I don't know if I'm holding into any old hurt, but maybe you are. And it's been so long, you just forgot about it. But it's still there. And I want to ask you to have the faith and the humility and the courage to forgive. For some of you, it may mean that this week there needs to be a conversation. Not always possible, depending on your situation. But when and where possible, it may be that you need to go and speak to someone and to share a word of forgiveness. There's power in that. It may be scary, but I want to encourage you to have the courage to do that. Because I can tell you from firsthand experience, God can work miracles in those moments when we have the faith to trust and obey what he tells us to do. Let me pray for you. Father, I come before you right now in faith and humility. And I want to pray for my brothers and sisters in this room, your sons, your daughters. God, the enemy is so good. So good at at allowing us to feel hurt and pain. So good at twisting that into bitterness and contempt. So good at dividing us from one another. So good. And so often we fall into the trap. We hold on to grudges that we just can't let go of. God, we need the faith. We need the courage. We need your help to let go of that hurt and to forgive. So God, I want to pray. Holy Spirit, I want to ask you to be working in every heart touch every heart, change every life. Help us to believe, not just in you, but to believe you. Help us to have the faith and the courage to forgive. To put that person, to put that situation, to put that circumstance into your hands. And through forgiveness, for us to just allow you to be God. And for us to step out of that role. God, I pray that you would work miracles in our hearts, in our lives as we forgive those who have hurt us. And as we forgive, here's the promise. Jesus, you made it. That as we forgive others, we will experience your forgiveness in our life. And God, we want that grace to rain down. And I pray that it will today. In every heart, in every life, where forgiveness is spoken, where forgiveness is given, may be given freely, and may we receive it freely. Father, work in our hearts change our lives. And God, as we come before you in prayer, we open up every corner of our hearts, even those that are dark, even those that have been sectioned off, even those corners where the hurt has been allowed to linger, and we invite you to come in. Allow us to forgive and allow us to experience your forgiveness. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.